just kind of off the back of of these things and kind of enjoying how how, how those three uh, have been so honest. Let me just tell you that uh, I have a huge problem um, with wanting people to like me. So on any normal day, if I walk into a room, I'm going to be thinking and, and, and focused on kind of wanting, wanting whoever's in that room to like me or, or to prove myself likable to whoever's in that room. And that can look different depending on the person, depending on the room, uh, depending on the day. Uh, but generally, that's kind of one of my biggest problems, I think, is, is, is just desperately wanting people to like me. And maybe, maybe you know that feeling as well. Uh, maybe for you, uh, you know that feeling when you're with your family. Perhaps uh, you really feel when you're with your parents that you just need to almost prove yourself to your parents somehow. So, you, you know, proving that, that you're worth the education that they've paid for you or, 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 or proving that you're, that you're good enough for the money that they spent on your sports kit as you've been growing up or, or just the time that they spent with you and the opportunities they've given you as you've grown up. You need, you're just there thinking, I need to prove myself that I'm a good son, a good daughter to my parents who've done everything. Perhaps that's you. Perhaps it's kind of a little bit flipped and, and, and perhaps you feel that proving yourself more as a parent, uh, you're trying to prove yourself to your kids that you're a good parent. You know, you'll give them almost whatever they ask for. You'll, you know, just want to prove to them that you're a good parent. Maybe you want to, maybe you feel that in, in rooms full of other parents. You know, you walk in, you think, I need to prove to these other parents that I'm a good parent. And that's all you think about in that room. Most of the jobs that I've had since uni have been in offices. So I kind of do admin and I enjoy admin. And, and offices are just full of a prove-yourself atmosphere. And maybe you know that too. Uh, maybe you know, you know the, the pain or the, or the stress of, of having to prove yourself to your boss to justify your salary or, or to justify getting more salary than you do at the moment. Uh, maybe you know the feeling of trying to prove yourself to your colleagues, prove yourself worthy of, of, of that job, uh, worthy of, of being promoted above them. If you've played any sport, you'll know that feeling, I'm sure, of proving yourself to your coach, proving yourself to your teammates, proving yourself to the people that you're playing instead of that you're worth more than them on the team. Lots of places um, where you can feel that, that pressure of walking into a room and needing to prove yourself. Um, but, but we want to tell you, as these uh, three guys have said this afternoon, we want to tell you that actually Christianity is not a place for that. We can have that experience and, and, have, and there's that air and that atmosphere of prove yourself in almost every area of life. Everywhere we go, we take that challenge with us. But Christianity is not like that because at the heart of Christianity is a God with a heart, a God who offers himself, who offers us a love that will never let us go. And just as these three guys have said, this afternoon, and I want to tell you a bit more about this, that Jesus offers us, he offers you, invites you something more than you expect and much, much more than you can imagine. And that is that love that will never let you go. And we've heard how that looked for, for Ben and for Trevor and for Melanie and the difference they made in their life and the times uh, when that came into their life and, and, they, and they saw what Jesus was offering really for the first time that really transformed them. But I want to tell you very quickly 
about another guy um, who experienced the same thing, but very different circumstances. Uh, so if you do want to grab a Bible or if you have a, a phone and you want to look it up on your app, uh, we're going to look at Luke's Gospel. So Luke chapter 23. If you do have one of these church kind of black Bibles, it's on page 884. 884. So it's Luke 23. And just a very short paragraph there on the bottom left of that page So it's Luke 23, verse 39 to 43. So just have that open and you can follow along. Um, We just go through this event, really, um, of Jesus dying and and, um, Melanie and kind of mentioned particularly about the importance for us as Christians of Jesus' death on the cross. And the cross, the kind of crucifixion wasn't, it wasn't an everyday thing back then. It, It was quite common, but the whole point of it um, was that it was really the most the most painful and the most public way of punishing someone that arguably anyone in the history of humanity has ever thought of. So dying on a cross, you were nailed to some wood, you were lifted, um, literally excruciating, literally excruciating pain. But it wasn't just, you know, done out the back somewhere. It was done somewhere very public, uh, up on a hill by a main road. And the whole point was that it, it would deter criminals. That, that was really the, the whole point. You'd say, look, if you break the law and you get caught, that's going to happen, and it is horrible. And that's what happened to Jesus. Uh, he was uh, crucified um, for claiming to be God's son, for claiming to be God, and, and he was nailed onto this cross uh, lifted high next to a main road so everyone could see what was going on. But it wasn't just him. He wasn't crucified alone. There were two guys, one on each side, that were crucified and killed with him. And they were both criminals. And, and you'll see that uh, in verse, thir- well, just in that area of Luke 23, verse 39. And each of those criminals, one on his right, one on his left, responded to what was going on and responded to Jesus very, very differently. So have a look at verse 39, if you have it open. One of the criminals who were hanged next to Jesus railed at Jesus saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Think about that for a second. The pain of being on the cross meant that any breath you take hurt. It hurt like nothing else really. So if you were taking a breath and if you were speaking, that was incredibly painful and so the words that you would say if at all on the cross would be really important so think about this guy basically having a go at Jesus just like all just like all the crowds everyone that's there watching just making fun of Jesus for being a bit of a loser being pathetic claiming to be the king and here he is nailed to a cross this guy must have really hated what was going on he took some of his last words to rail at Jesus you're just a waste of space. What are you even doing? Can't you save yourself? Can't you even save us? Come on, prove yourself. But the other criminal, in verse 40, the other criminal rebuting, saying, don't you fear God, since you're under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Just pause there for a second. One criminal was just having a go at Jesus, just like everybody else. The other criminal, 
there was something about Jesus that he had noticed. Whether he'd heard something before, uh, he got caught and sentenced to being crucified. Maybe it was something in in what was happening at that time. We don't know. Um, But there was something that this guy had seen in Jesus, something that made him notice, something that made this criminal use some of his last words to rebuke the one criminal and then to ask something of Jesus, something incredible, something amazing for anyone to ask, let alone a criminal being killed next to Jesus. His question in verse 42, maybe he was able to turn his head slightly towards Jesus. And he says this, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What an incredible thing to say. There was something about Jesus that this criminal had seen that made him think, you have a kingdom that outlasts death. So in these last minutes of our life, you know, when you're in your kingdom, remember me. Just remember me. Do you know what it's like um, to go to a, like a, a club or a restaurant or, or a party and you have your name on the door? Um, I don't think that's ever happened to me, but I've seen it in a movie. So, uh, be, you, know, you know what that's like? You, know, you, you, you walk past all the lines and the queues outside. Everyone's there waiting their turn to come in to the party or, or, or wherever. And you go up to the, you know, the, the doorman and you say, hi, my name is Mike. Uh, my name's on the list, and they look at the list. Oh, yes, please, come on in, and you get the VIP treatment. You get straight through. I can imagine that would be really nice to, to experience that. Um, and I think, really, that's what this guy is asking Jesus, which is incredible, because Jesus is claiming to be God's son, perfect and pure. He's done nothing wrong, and this criminal has the, the guts, the confidence to say to Jesus, can you put my name on the door? It's an incredible thing to say. Jesus, can you, can you put my name on the door? So when you go into your kingdom, and then I'll come soon because we're both dying, my name will be on the list and I can come in and that's great. That's what the criminal asks. Jesus responds with truly incredible words. Again, remember this is taking effort to say these words. No words are are said by accident or or are unimportant at this time. The guy has just asked Jesus, can you put my name on the door of your kingdom? And Jesus says, truly, I say to you, today, you'll be with me in paradise. The guy just wanted his name on the door. And for him, that was enough. This criminal, this, this baddie, just put my name on the door. And Jesus says, no, no. I won't just put your name on the door. But today, you will be with me in paradise. So much more than the guy expected. The guy just wanted his name. Just, you know, just remember me. You know, maybe we'll see, I'll see you in your kingdom and you'll, you'll think, oh, uh, yeah, you died with me. So yeah, great. I remember you. Great. Okay. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. You will be with me. Today you'll be with me in paradise. So much more than the guy expected. So much more than even he deserved. How can that guy pay Jesus back? What can that guy do to prove that he is worthy of what Jesus is offering? Within 
minutes, perhaps, he's going to die. The guy's story, uh, if, you know, if we were able to, to interview him, the guy's story would be just a life of being a criminal and then somehow getting caught and then dying. That, that's his story. He can't pay Jesus back. He, he can't prove that he's, you know, Jesus has made a good choice. He can't do anything. But that's the point. That's the point of, of, of these three guys' stories is that, that Christianity is not a paying God back religion. Christianity is responding to God's heart. Jesus offers, he, he, he died to offer the best thing he had, which was the relationship with his father. He died to give us that love that will never let us go, a love that doesn't expect to be paid back, a love that doesn't expect or, or, or want to kind of show you, well, just, just prove you're worth it, just prove yourself. You know, when you walk into that room, you've got to prove yourself. But that's not Christianity at all. See, the, our problem is we're in a similar position to those criminals, not um, <clears throat> obviously on a cross or, or maybe we haven't robbed anything. Um, but, but actually we have because we've, we've robbed God's love and we've taken our hearts and we just focus on ourselves, don't we? That's true. We take every goodness in the world and we just use it for ourselves and we, we manipulate people, we kind of want to trick people, we want to... We just want people to like us and we'll do everything we can, use anything we can to make people like us. So we're robbing God of his love and we're completely making ourselves the focus and we're in serious trouble. We're, we're dead, spiritually dead. We're on death road just like those criminals were and yet Jesus comes to people like that, people like me, people like you and says, you can know God. Like Trevor said, it's, it's one thing to, to know stuff about God and to think, yeah, okay, that God stuff's interesting. But it's a whole other thing to know God, to be known by him, to know what he's like and to like him, to love him, to respond to what God has done. I really that's all we want to say this afternoon. That, that, that's all, kind of all we ever want to say at Trinity um, is that you can respond to that offer that Jesus made to that guy on the cross. There's nothing the guy could offer Jesus, really. But Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. And Jesus makes that offer to you. Whoever you are, whatever kind of life you've led, maybe you've been in church since you were four or five, maybe this is the first time that you've been to a church. Whatever your life is like, whether you're like that criminal or whether you're you know, the best behaved person in the room, you, you need to know Jesus. You need to respond to that offer of today, you will be with me in paradise. That's what paradise is, is being with Jesus and him being with us. And that's, that's who we are as Trinity, uh, as, as a church. That, that's our message. That's what we're like. That's what we want to be responding to. And, 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 and as Ben and others said, life is about continually responding to that love. And we're not very good at it sometimes, I still walk into rooms wanting people to like me and doing all I can to prove myself to people. And that's uh, stupid in lots of ways. And I don't need to do that because I have God's love. <laughs> um, but that's our life as Christians is responding, always responding to God, to his offer of a love that will never let us go. Not to pay him back, not to make it seem like we're worth it. 
But whoever you are, you can respond to that invitation and you can do that even today uh, if you want to. Uh, I'm going to pray and then we'll sing a couple of songs and, uh, and then I think at some point uh, the kids will come back. Um, but why don't I pray first uh, again for us before we sing. Our Father, we thank you for uh, for this afternoon and for the the reminder and and, and the, the good news that we have heard about Jesus. We thank you that you are not a God who is far away and distant. We thank you that you're not a God who we have to prove ourselves to. Um, we just thank you that that your love is is free and it's sweet. And it's offered to us, not because of who we are, but because you love us. And I pray, Father, that all of us here, whether for the first time or just again and again, we would in our hearts be responsive to your love, the love that will never let us go. Father, keep us from wanting to prove ourselves to you. Help us just to look and to see Jesus, to love you in every area of our life. Amen.